We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. It's game day. Lakers versus Rockets tonight. Can the Lakers get revenge on a Rocket side that handled them a loss not all that long ago? The Lakers have a big opportunity here tonight against the Rockets. Hopefully they can get the job done. We're going to break down exactly what they need to do in order to win this game. We'll also talk a bit about the injury report and uh, we'll get into the mailbag as well. Before we dive into everything, quick thank you to all of you who have joined up and become part of the Lakers Nation YouTube channel membership program. You can click that join button and see the perks that we offer. We did our first members-only live show last week where members got to join us on stage, hang out, talk Lakers basketball. It was a good time. So again, click that join button, check out the perks that we're offering our channel members. All right, joining me is Sean Davis. Sean? Another game. It feels like the Lakers have had so many games and they've got a bunch more crammed in before Thanksgiving even happens. So here we go again. Lakers, Rockets tonight. We'll see if they can get revenge. Yeah. Um, all signs point to the Lakers having their 10 guys that have played recently and potentially even JHS for the first time. All regular season. No, not all regular season, but it's been a, a, a while since we've potentially since seen JHS. Oh, so it has been our regular season. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so let's let's start there, I guess. Let's start with the injury report. So uh, LeBron is questionable. No surprise. I, I think he's going to show up as questionable or probable on pretty much every injury report for the rest of the season. Um, it's just something the Lakers will continue to do. It makes it that much easier to sit him out of a game if you need to. Anthony Davis is probable. For the first time this season, as Sean said, Jalen hood Shafino is questionable. Now, Sean... Here's my thing. When I saw that, and I saw the reaction on social media, he may be listed as questionable. He may be upgraded to available before the game. I don't think he's playing in this game. Unless it's a blowout. Yeah. Unless there's there's truly garbage time. He's he's not playing in, in this one. Um, no. It's just it's not it's not happening now. I what the word is is that he's probably going to get some minutes in the G league that they're going to bring him along slowly. That makes a lot of sense. I think that's probably what we see happen with Jalen Hood but you know what, Sean, I've had a lot of fans say whenever Jalen Hood pops up on the injury report, or we give an update on where he's at. I have a lot of people who say, why even mention him? 
you know he's probably not going to play. Why even bother? Why even bother mentioning him? Should have picked Cam Whitmore, right, <laughs> or, or whatever. Cam Whitmore isn't playing. He's by the not way. playing either for, for right. Houston. But but people say, why didn't you pick somebody else? He's a bust. All this kind of stuff. Um, I think his health very much does matter. It matters a lot for this Lakers. Maybe not in terms of do you win games this season. Oh, it I see. Could but. You want Jalen Huchifino to be healthy, number one, because you need him to grow and develop. As He's the 17th pick. You don't want to just go, you know, what are we, 12 games into the season, 13 games into the season, throw your hands up and say, well, he's a bust. Nah, forget it. I don't even want to see him anymore. No, you want him to be, at least in the G League with the South Bay Lakers, getting minutes, getting reps, improving, because guess what? If he improves, if he continues to grow, other teams are going to be interested in him too. So even <laughs> if even if you say JHS, I don't want to see this guy play for the Lakers anymore. He's not any good. I've decided after th- this minimal amount of time that this player is just a bust and will never be anything. You still want him to do well so that the Lakers can get something for him in a trade. Because guess what? They don't have a lot of draft capital. So if you want to get Zach Levine, you want to get DeMar DeRozan, you want to get Caruso, you want to get any of those guys or other players, you're going to need to plus up your offer somehow. And a young player like a Jalen Huchifino is a way that you can do that. So it benefits the Lakers if he's out there and he's healthy. So again, Sean, I don't get this this super negative reaction when there's an update on Jalen Huchifino. I think it actually can matter a lot for this Lakers team that he is healthy and is able to start the development process. So for just a little bit of context, the reason why I just started laughing is I lose <laughs> two sound panels. That's great. Um, is because, <laughs> yeah, that. is because I just knew that was the direction Trevor's going to go in. So I <laughs> the, uh, the the trade avenue part, which is ironic because that that just seems like the direction I think all Laker social media wants to go with JHS after mm-hmm. four preseason games is you know just trade him off rip and if you need to then sure i'm not like against it necessarily but what i am against is calling him a bust because he's played i mean off of four games and because he was hurt right where if, if you're mad about cam whitmore then i think that's the wrong guy to be mad at be mad at how many hawkes or brandon pajemski or mm-hmm. like those two guys in particular because those were the two direct picks after you Right, be mad at those two and not making one of those two picks. Uh, be mad at Julian Strauss. There's a bunch of other guys. So um, I'm still rooting for the kid, um, and I think he still has you know NBA talent, and I'm really excited to see him play. Hopefully, I know it won't be soon, unless again it's a blowout. But I'm excited for the future of Jalen Hutchinson. Hopefully, as a Laker. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see what he can do, and that's where you want him to be healthy and be out there on the floor. But you're only allowed uh, to trade him if we're getting Trey Young, by the way. Yes, yeah, <laughs> your guy, your guy. Um, the other thing that I saw a lot of fans were upset about. I saw a lot of people say, just to be honest, they said WTF. I said where where is Vando? Why is why is Jay, why is Jared Vanderbilt still not playing? That's what I saw a lot of out there. And I think I think it's important that we note, and this is going to be the case with JHS. This is going to be the case with Gabe Vincent as well. These guys that suffer lower body injuries, leg injuries, they have to ramp back up. It's going to take time, right? They, they're not out there on the floor doing cardio and things like that because they have to heal. Um, in this case, 
he Vando needed to heal his heel, um, or he needed his heel to heal. <laughs> Either way, but Jared Vanderbilt needed to get through this whole recovery process, and then he can get out there and start getting reps on the floor, building his cardio back up, getting used to cutting and pushing. Remember, he hasn't played in a game since October 7th. So because of the nature of his injury, he's not out there doing a lot of physical activity. And so it takes a little bit of time. After you get the green light and you're cleared, it takes a little bit of time to ramp back up. And that's why the word is reevaluate and not return when we see these injury reports. So patience it wouldn't shock me if it's still, you know. And again, I don't, I don't know. This is a complete guess, but just the fact that he didn't wasn't out there getting a lot of reps, it wouldn't shock me if it's another week before we see Jared Vanderbilt out there on the floor. Are, uh, I, I really, Trevor, you have no idea how much I want him back for Dallas. Oh, I, I, I hope, I, I so hope he's back next game. game. Yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. That'd be fantastic. Oh man, I miss Vando. Vando, get healthy. By the way, you missed, uh, there was a great nickname that came up for, for Cam Reddish. It's Vanderbilt related. Cam but, Reddish? It's not that. No. So somebody in our, in, our, in our chat, in fact, I think it was Mamba Mentality in our, in our chat who came up with this one. And if I'm misattributing that, then apologies. But um, said that if Jared Vanderbilt is the Vandalorian, because Cam Reddish is playing such a similar role to what Vanderbilt does in terms of the defensive end, he needs to be the Cam DeLorean. All right, next topic. Next up, what were we talking <laughs> about? I, I thought that was a good one. Come on. The, the chat Cam agreed De with me that Cam night. They, they thought it was the Cam DeLorean. I, I'm here for it. I'm I, here for it. I, I prefer Cam One Reddish. Cam One Reddish. <laughs> or, wait, or Yes, He Cam or something like that. I prefer that. Yeah, I do like Yes, He Cam. I do like Yes, He Cam. All right, we've got a game tonight to get to. So we know... Uh, Jared Vanderbilt will not play. Gabe Vincent will not play. LeBron, Jalen hood Shafino, JHS will not play unless a blowout. Uh, but LeBron questionable. My guess is he plays. Anthony Davis, probable. He's going to play. So looking at this game, the Lakers did not fare so well against the Rockets last time, but they also didn't have Anthony Davis and Alperin Sengun just tore the Lakers to shreds. I guess the, we, we need to start. Are, are the Rockets good because that's not what we were expecting coming into the season no it is not and the fact that they are even like relevant is frustrating in a jam-packed western conference mm -hmm. but you look at their offensive rating the rockets rank in offense rating 18th in terms of defensive rating however the rockets rank fourth in the nba Ooh. in terms of defensive rating so you got to give them a ton of credit they aren't like super aggressive on the boards. They're 19th in offensive rebounding percentage, which means they'll have 20 offensive rebounds against the Lakers because that's just how it how it works. Um, if you look at their some of their four factors data, though, this is a this is a fine team. They have, they have some good dudes in terms of free throw rate. The Rockets are 16th in the NBA, right in the middle of the pack. Turnover percentage, they are fifth, so they do a great job in terms of taking care of the ball and where they at in terms of free throw, like opponent free throw rate. So they're bottom three in opponent free throw rate, which is awesome, right? Mm -hmm. Opponent turnover rate. They defend they well. Are... They do it without fouling. No, 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 no. Meaning, I don't know. Bottom three for in a good thing for us, Oh, for so you're saying they do. Oh, that's right. You know what? That was one of our keys last time the Lakers played the Rockets. 
and they didn't punish the Rockets for it. They didn't get them in foul trouble nearly as yeah. quickly as I as I wanted them to. That's right. They do foul. Right. Um, and then you go to opponent turnover percentage. The Rockets are middle of the pack. So they do an okay job in terms of forcing turnovers. The Lakers are actually one spot behind them now. So the Lakers have done a little bit of a better job recently mm-hmm. because they've started to hedge more. Um, and then for opponent offensive rebounds, they're actually a pretty good uh, defensive rebounding team where they rank seventh in terms of opponent defense or opponent offensive rebounding percentage. So I don't know, man. It's going to come down to key guards and goon, right? And try to negate some of their post actions. I mean, you have Anthony Davis for that. So let's hope that we don't have to send as much help. You can kind of guards a lot of these, these actions one-on-one and Cam Reddish, Jalen green, that that's, that's yeah. your assignment. I feel like Jalen green torched this last time. He did. He did. He he was scoring with ease. Remember, this was a blowout, 128. The Lakers only put up 94 points against the Rockets. This was a game where they just they completely no-showed uh, against the Rockets. They, they, this was the game where they really looked like they wanted to be somewhere else, like they did not want to be playing yeah. basketball that night. And Jalen Green went for 28 points, 7 rebounds on 11 of 15 shooting. Sengun was 8 for 10 shooting. Uh, they absolutely... Oh, Jayshon Tate. Also was six for ten. The Lakers, meanwhile, shot twenty-eight percent from three, forty-three percent from the field. D'Angelo Russell had a decent game, but that was the game Christian Wood started at center and and shot zero for one. Did, didn't really get that involved. Hachimura got going with twenty-four points on ten of fourteen, but uh, the Lakers just they they did not have it that night, and it was certainly frustrating hey, to see. Hey, um, the Rockets out rebounded the Lakers by twenty-three in this game. Good lord. So that I mean that's that's right there, right? That needs to change. And this is look, we could talk all about all this, all these things the Lakers need to fix. A lot of this is attributed to effort. So how upset are the Lakers that they got blown out by the Rockets last time? How focused is that going to make them? Because what we're starting to see with this Lakers team is if it's a tournament game, they give it a little bit more effort. And if it's right. not, then that effort kind of waxes and wanes as the game goes on. So I'd like to see the Lakers kind of offended that they lost to the Rockets last time around and go out there and play with some fire. But you know what? I've been saying that all season long so far, not that we're far into the season. And I don't know if we've truly gotten quite that performance, aside from maybe the Memphis game where they got everything to drop. We I don't know if we've got that performance out of the Lakers. So I don't have a lot of confidence the Lakers are going to come out here and play angry after what happened last game. But... I think that's what they need to do. Obviously, they need to be much more focused. Again, I thought this was the probably the worst game of the season for the Lakers was their last outing against the Rockets. And I would like to see this team come out there and say, nope, that's not who we are and and prove themselves. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of stuff I think the Lakers could do to try to attack this defense. Um, just like you haven't looked at any of the particular film on on Houston, but just looking at what their defense does do. I mean, they are an excellent transition unit, right? And that is just kudos to Miodoka. They are they're they're great. They give up in terms of like possessions allowed in transition. This is the best transition defense in the NBA in terms of how many possessions are we gonna give a team in transition. And then in terms of points per possession or like efficiency off of it, they're third in that. So this is an elite transition unit, Trevor. And so, I mean, I don't expect the Lakers to have a ton of opportunities come tonight. 
I, 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 the Lakers ball screen attack has gotten a lot better recently, right? And luckily, you know, they're facing a team in Houston that's going to play ball screens a lot more straight up, which is a good thing for this Lakers team. Mm-hmm. Where you see, like, the Kings is the biggest example of this, where they'll send nail help or they'll like tag off of non shooters a lot more. And the Lakers, specifically Austin Reeves, really kind of struggle with that. From like what the date, some of the data said so far, it's like, yeah, no, the Rockets are probably get they're more likely to just play ball screens more straight up, just play 2v2 drop coverage. Which, if you go back to Emmy Doka's history with the Celtics, that kind of aligns up with how they played, especially in the regular season. So that is music to my ears. If I'm Darvin Ham and even myself, and, and I think you as, tre- as well, Trevor, is people don't want to see the Lakers heavy ball screen offense do well. This is, uh, I think, a good sign. So I'm excited. Go get your get back and play like you, you know, want to freaking play basketball, which hashtag analysis, I suppose. <laughs> right i mean that's just it there's there's some games where we can get through all the x's and o's we can talk about all the schematic details we can talk about all of the the tactics that you can employ and none of it matters unless you come out and you play with the effort the energy level and that's that's number one for the, this lakers team in this game is coming out with some fire of course we're going to talk about cleaning up the offensive glass or your own defensive glass i should say not turning the ball over so much Right, yeah. all of these things are are incredibly important for this Lakers team. Hey, don't lose the first quarter. All those things are important, but to do all of that, you're going to have to come out there and really get after it. All right, Sean. Before we get into our mailbag, uh, real quick, we uh, we need to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, and that is Underdog. Underdog Fantasy is absolutely fantastic, the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. And what I did is I went ahead and made some selections over on Underdog for this game. And this is what I went with. Again, very, very easy to go into underdog, make your picks, and then move on. Um, Anthony Davis, I went higher than 2.5 blocks. And uh, and look, AD is leading the NBA in blocks per game. He's averaging over three blocks per game. So I'm going to say that AD, despite his hip being a little banged up, I'm going to say that he comes out there and he's able to to continue to block tons and tons of shots. The Lakers are the number one shot blocking team in the league in big part because of Anthony Davis and his shot blocking prowess. Had five blocks last game. So I'm going to go higher than 2.5 blocks for Anthony Davis. And then my guy, I'm a fan of his game. I like the way he plays. Alper and Sengun, you know, again, he tore the Lakers up last time. I think He's going to have his hands full with Anthony Davis in this game, but nonetheless, higher than 13 and a half rebounds and assists combined. He gets involved a lot in their, in their passing game. So I'm going to go ahead and take higher on that as well. So those are my selections. Again, you can head over to underdog fantasy, use our code Lakers nation, and you can get a deposit match of up to $100 with your first deposit. So make sure you guys check that out. Again, that promo code is Lakers Nation. Get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com. Find them in the App Store. Don't forget to use that code Lakers Nation. Uh, get that deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. If you're concerned about your play, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. All right, Sean, let's get into the mailbag here. Tyler K. Austin Reeves did not play well 
by the way, their their recent game against the Blazers. And Sean, you and I were just going through Austin's turnover footage. Uh, Tyler says it's one bad game for Reeves. Not concerned. He looked great past few games. What, what do you think is the biggest thing Austin needs to fix uh, right now? Because he has it's been a bit more of a roller coaster than we're used to with him this season. I think he needs to just be more of a decisive, like just be yeah, just be more decisive, like as a decision maker, right? And I feel like there's too many times where he goes into a ball screen and he is a really smart player. I, one of the comments that we had on the post post game show was Austin does look comfortable as the point guard. And I'm like, eh, no, cause he played point guard at Oklahoma and he's came on this show and said, Hey, he wanted to play point guard. So I don't think it's like a comfortability thing. I think it's right now. He's for some reason, it's almost like he's like second guessing whether he mm-hmm. should shoot or whether he's, should be looking for a pass or right now i think what made austin so lethal was he was just this dead not maybe deadly is kind of like like being a little too overzealous if i'm using that word correctly i think i am um where but he, he was a like really really good score and the scoring ultimately like opened up what is his like good playmaking bag right but i think right now it's either He's being overly aggressive as a scorer, which I think we saw a lot earlier in the year where I'm saying earlier in the year, like we're not 12 or 13 games in, but Mm -hmm. the first three or four games where he missed Anthony Davis on a few lob opportunities, missed a corner skip pass or whatever on a a baseline drop or something like that. And then you go into a a few game stretch it where he is turning down open jumpers or you know, not shooting shots that he probably would have taken last year. So I think it's more just like finding a happy medium and being just being aggressive and with, with this shot and leveraging the shot to open up his playmaking, which or I do think he is a good playmaker. So I think I think Austin's fine. It has been pretty, but I'm not like selling my Austin Reeves stock. I played uh, a low number of minutes last game. I believe it was 18 minutes. And uh, haven't seen that in a while. Didn't get the opportunity to close the game, which is was part of the deal with him coming off the bench was he was going to get to close games. Obviously, was not playing well enough for Darwin to trust him to close out the game uh, against the Blazers or Darwin just didn't like what he saw out there. Um, so, uh, look, there's, there's growth here to be had, but I think we know Austin can do it. We've seen him do it, and hopefully he's able to get everything kind of clicking sooner rather than later. Uh, face Reality said, Goat James, 35 points. AD got a step up in scoring, period. Yeah, I mean, nine points one game, 16 points the next. He did say his hip is still bothering him. He talked about that after the game, said he can't jump as high as normal. He's frustrated that the jumper hasn't been falling. And uh, and so he's trying to do what he can on the defensive side of the ball while understanding that he can't do everything that he wants to do out there. You know, AD, you, you really, this Lakers team needs 20-plus points from him on a nightly basis. But if he's really that banged up with his hip to where it's not a certainty that he can give you that, Sean, is the solution more Rui Hachimura who can provide more scoring punch? Yeah, probably. Um, I, one of the things I did also mention the other night was I would more than happy to take that Anthony Davis performance against Portland offensively than what we got against uh, Sacramento, right? Where he took, what, 
like seven shots against Sacramento mm-hmm. or something ridiculous like that. Maybe nine shots. I think it was nine po- nine points for nine shots, maybe. And last game, yeah, he had 16 points, but he shot eight for 19. And good players are allowed to have off shooting nights. So yeah. okay, be aggressive. Take the 19 shots or whatever. And if you just miss, okay, cool. We could we can I can actually kind of defend you and chalk this up as a rough shooting night where there's no defending you if you shoot seven shots in a four quarter game. And yeah. if it was that bad, I don't love the like in that scenario, I don't love the injury because excuse because just don't play in that example, right? So well, but if he doesn't play, he's gonna get a ton of flack, right? He's gonna lose lose, honestly. Right? Based off that performance. Like if the is either play like he did against the Kings and and get ridiculed for playing like that. Or don't play and get ridiculed for not playing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Tough spot to be in. That's for sure. Not very many players have this uh, predicament in the NBA. Yeah. Kind of funny. Jay Soft said, Braun is tired. The Kings game took a lot out of of him. Also, why did Ham end that game with timeouts? By the way, Braun was great against the uh, the Blazers. Braun called a timeout in the fourth because he was tired while Ham daydreams. You know, that's one thing that that has been on my mind, Sean. You know, Darvin Ham... He explained, people asked him, right? He was finally asked, why do you not call more timeouts? No, not those exact words, but why, you know, why are you conservative with your timeouts? You know, other teams will go on a five point run, seven point run, and Darvin just kind of lets it go, right? Doesn't call a timeout to stop the momentum. A lot of other coaches do call timeout in that scenario. And Darvin's explanation, and I thought it was a, a legitimate one, was I want to save my timeouts so that in the fourth quarter, I don't have to pull LeBron I don't have to pull AD. I can play them and rest them by using these extra timeouts that I've accumulated, and that will provide the rest. I don't have to pull them out of the game. That was his explanation. We've had a number of games where Darvin's sitting on extra timeouts in the fourth quarter, and he's not using them. Now, on one hand, I think part of the coach's job is to feel the flow of the game, and there's times where you don't want to call timeout because things are going your way. Things are clicking. And so calling a timeout at that moment just to get a player a little bit of rest isn't what you want to do. So saving your timeouts specifically to rest players in the fourth quarter kind of puts you into a corner where you you have to then use those timeouts even if you shouldn't, right? We, we criticize people for not using timeouts or Darvin gets criticized for not using them. But there's also moments where using it would be incorrect, would be the wrong decision. So... There's that aspect of it, but we're really not seeing him do a whole lot of this. And as the as Jaysoff noted, LeBron has called a couple of the more memorable timeouts recently, including one to get some rest uh, and one a few games ago to get uh, to preserve Anthony Davis's dribble and to prevent him from getting the ball stolen. So, and that helped close out a, a tight game. So, when I look at all of this. I, I think that Darwin's explanation made sense, but we're not really seeing that put into practice. Yeah. I don't really have much analysis to provide on the timeout thing because it, it is frustrating. And I think you I think you just summarized it perfectly. Um yeah, I really don't have much else to add to that. All right. Fair enough. Let's move on then. Uh, 
Tabe said, LeBron wants to win the first NBA Cup. 3-0 and and the Jazz lost. I am into the tourney now. Get hyped. Sean, are you into the tournament now? Lakers sitting at the top of their group have one more game left against Utah. You win that game and you're guaranteed the number one seed because you didn't lose to anybody. And uh, and you'll get out of the group. Uh, is this? Are you getting more into it now that we we're seeing it in action? I think I am. I think I am. The games have been competitive. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's because I, I honestly don't know what the reason is. But I think for the most part, the games are fun. If you look across the league, for the most part, at least the games that I've watched, I've I've enjoyed yeah. them. You had that insane Suns and Jazz game where we're just scoring 130 points, and it was like 75, 70 at halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the the Pelicans upsetting the the Nuggets and the Plans. That group B, oh my goodness! I'm just looking at that group B bracket. You have the Pelicans, the Nuggets, the Rockets, Mavs, and Clippers. That's an insane group. Um, and I think that's fun. I think that's why that's another reason why the end season tournament's kind of working for me is because yeah. there are so many like actually solid teams, which is what the NBA wanted. They wanted this parity, right? Where mm-hmm. Right now, there's like three bad teams in the NBA, like legitimately bad, or in the West, rather. I think Memphis is bad. I think Portland's bad. And I think San Antonio's bad. But there's still like a team where if you just no-show, they can beat you yeah, probably, right? So that's what the NBA wanted. And I think that's another reason why I'm kind of enjoying the in-season tournament. Yeah, it's been I think that the the level of play has picked up. And you know, you mentioned when we looked at the brackets pre before the season started, they all made sense. And we looked at the Lakers bracket and we went, ooh, the Suns, the Grizzlies, like that this could be kind of a tough bracket. But the Grizzlies have not been good and the Suns have been injured. So I, I mean the Lakers, their their path to get out of the group has kind of been cleared. Now again, you they have probably to beat got the easiest Utah. group. Yeah, they they kind of wound up in what what, what was the easiest group. Um, that said, they count for regular season games too. So if you didn't care about the tournament, well, you still count for regular season, but they should get out of their group. I don't know how far they're going to go because they're going to be playing tougher teams once they get out of their group and they haven't looked great against some of the better teams in the NBA right now, but maybe they do pick it up in in tournament play just period. And next thing you know, we're talking about them going to Vegas for, uh, for the semifinals and the, and the finals. We'll see, but uh, I've enjoyed it. I do have one question. I don't know if you know the answer to this or not. Yeah. So I know I, the six, the you know, first six teams are the group winners. How do they mm-hmm. decide the two wild card teams? I believe it's record, and then that gets broken by point differential, and that's why they keep they show in the standings the team's overall point. They'll say like Lakers three and zero plus thirty five or whatever it is, and then it'll say like Memphis zero and three minus twenty nine or, or something. You know, that's the right. overall point differential that you've had in all of the tournament games. And I think that's the next tiebreaker. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, John said in a perfect world, D'Lo off the bench and we get PG. Do you mean a point guard or Paul George? They're not getting Paul George. They're not getting Paul George. (laughs) So a point guard. Um, I, I don't know if that's, is that, is that like really what you what you need right now? Is that is a, a different point guard, and then you want to bring D'Angelo Russell off your bench, and then Austin Reeves is just I don't know. I guess he gets goes back to being a two. No, I, no, I don't think this is it. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. 
All right. Uh, super dope hip hop. So LeBron, 57% from the field, his best ever, 40% from three, second best, best since uh, one of his GOAT years. Now LeBron, 27, 8, 6, 2, and 1 on 59, 44 splits. AD has to be better on offense. Yeah. Last Le- month in November. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that's been great about LeBron, oh, November, LeBron. LeBron's shooting, aside from his free throw shooting, has been great so far this season. I hope this is real, Sean, because he didn't shoot this well last season. And so my hope is that this isn't just a early season spurt, but he did get some things fixed with a shot, and this is something that can continue. I was semi-confident that the shot was going to come back after the injury last year. It didn't happen last year. It definitely didn't really happen in the playoffs. But I'm now, I think I said this on playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation, where you can watch every Lakers game with us live. And I said this on the playback stream the other night uh, that I'm now back to the point where I was kind of the 21-22 season, so the Westbrook year, mm-hmm. where I'm fairly comfortable with just about any shot LeBron takes now. Not like a logo pull-up or whatever, but within like the structure of a half-court offense, Braun shoots a, a catch-and-shoot three where he's been money. He's at like 45%, I think, on catch-and-shoot threes. Um, or... The uh, a fadeaway. He had a, a fadeaway against uh, who did we last play? Portland, right? That I didn't really love. But when you're shooting 43% on pull up mid range jumpers, okay, I, I got to live with it now, right? As opposed to, I don't know, I'm making this number up, but 29% or whatever, 33% might be even better number where I'm like, eh, Bronny not really shooting it well, right? Let's maybe not do this right now, right? So, He's shooting 76% at the rim, 43% on pull-up mid-range, and like 45% on catch-and-shoot threes. I I, I think he's a top Unreal. five player right now. He's he's doing incredible things. He's doing an, an amazing job right now. And yeah, I mean, LeBron has been... I, I hope that this just continues for him because he's shooting the hell out of the ball. And there's so many of these that are... Um, so many shots that are no, 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 yes shots where you're Three like, oh, I don't know if he should shoot that LeBron and they're, and he's hitting them and he's hitting them. So I hope this this continues to be a thing because this is big for LeBron and his ability to shoot that three is important for his longevity too. Uh, Lakers going to Vegas, this one says. It says, LOL, good win. Yeah, they go to Vegas if they get to the semifinals and then of course the finals get played in Vegas. We'll see. We'll see if they get there. Uh, John, big problem with rebounding is Braun at the four. Dwight, I, I haven't loved Braun's box outs. No, Braun's been awful. Yeah, and the chat got mad at me last show for, for talking about that. We're talking about his his box outs not being good, but look, he had a great game, but he also didn't box out. I think both those things can be true. Uh, the team doesn't box out well. Dwight, I don't think Dwight no. is the, the solution, but I do think you can make an argument that the Lakers need a big physical center because Christian Wood isn't that. Jackson Hayes isn't that. I'm not saying it's somebody that would play every night because they probably wouldn't. But for the nights when you need that particular skill set, a big physical strong center, I think, would uh, would be a worthwhile investment to look into. I think there's other things they could use as well. A defensive guard on the perimeter may be an even bigger priority. But... I do think it's an area of need for the Lakers, and it's noticeable that they've got bad habits boxing out, and sometimes other teams are just just tougher than they are getting to the ball first. Yeah, um, I 
it's not criticizing LeBron when it's a fact that he's been bad at boxing out this year. Mm-hmm. And I know the argument's going to immediately going to shift towards, well, he's averaging eight rebounds a game or whatever. Well, he could be averaging like 13 rebounds a game and the Lakers wouldn't be getting just annihilated on the, on the uh, defensive glass right now. If LeBron and everybody would be making a concerted effort to be better boxing out. So yeah. I mean, it's cool that Braun's averaging eight boards, but we need everybody to be good or just be better at boxing out. I mean, just simple. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny. You know, we can talk about, oh, they need to run this kind of screen instead and this defensive system and all that. Just box out. Just just, just box out, right? Um, Nathan, Vando and Gabe come back. What's the rotation? Uh, that's that's a great time. question. D'Lo, Torian, Braun, Vando, eighties, my starting five. Gabe, Austin, Cam, Rui, uh, Christian with my uh, second five. Gabe, Austin, Cam, Rui, and Christian Wood. Okay. So who's getting taken out there? Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes. I think that's an easy one. Is there anybody else? I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to go with that 10-man rotation. Now, Sean, I think one of the things that I want to see, though, is I, I still want to, and I like the way you did it here, you've got Torian at the two. I think you could argue that Cam should even be the two, but the problem is then you're shooting, right? If you have Vando on the floor with Cam, that's you could be at a, a shooting deficit there where the paint hey, is impact. If if Cam wants to turn into this like 37% catch and shoot dude, then let's do it by all means. Cause go. I think that would be the move. Yeah. <laughs> that is the move. That would indeed be, be the Ron move, shooting and Delo shooting. I, I got to say this. Though. I think that I, I think that at least out of the gate, Jared Vanderbilt's going to come off the bench. Like how can you go to Cam Reddish right you now so? and say, and say, all right, Vando's back. You're moving to the bench. He's he's averaging like a million steals a game right now. Not obviously not literally, but he's he's deflecting right. the ball. He's getting his hands on everything. He's playing so well, especially playing with LeBron. I have a hard time just saying the moment Vando's and maybe Vando works his way back into it, but the moment he's back, just saying here's a starting job. I, I think Cam's kind of earned it with with his play at this point. Fair. Okay, and, and I'm the one who it, has said that starting roles aren't always based on merit. So there's that too. But right, if that is the case, then I'm trying to find where camera Cam Reddish is first. He's at 3.1 deflections per game. That is insane. For right or fifth, sixth. That's 13th in the entire NBA. That is absurd. That's nuts. That's nuts. So I mean, he he's been awesome, but if that's if that's the the logic of thinking, what you said, Trevor, about like how is it how can you reasonably move Cam back to the bench? And I think the ultimate move is to start Cam and Vando together. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 think, I hope Vando's been working on those threes. I think I personally think the only way they don't start Vando off the jump is if they want to ease him back into it, mm-hmm. which I think is very possible, but. If they want to start Vando right away, I think then it might, based off what you were saying, I think it might be, hey, just Cam and Vando, babe. What one of you guys got to shoot, got to hit threes? Yeah. Yeah. You you need, I mean, because D'Lo, LeBron, AD, D'Lo can hit the three. LeBron's been hitting the three. AD is kind of tailed off there. 
you you really you need both those guys to be able to hit them. And right now, both of them are so dependent on specifically corner threes. I know Cam Reddish hit one in uh, in the previous game against the Blazers. He hit an above the break three, but both guys specifically shoot the corner three as well. That's I, I worry about your floor spacing and how you really make that work. As exciting as that would be defensively to see what that would look like out there. Oh man. These last five games of Cam Rash have been so fun. Oh, but wait, we're not we're not allowed to celebrate that, right? What's your to. what's your line? Let's say this Lakers team, you need one stop to close a game. You're not worried about offense. Right, all you need is you need one stop to finish the game. You're coming out of a timeout, and you can put anybody in that you want. Right. And let's say everyone is healthy. Who are your five on the floor? Anthony Davis, Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt. Uh huh. Like we're talking, I, gonna, we're talking like playoff game seven. I'm assuming. Yeah, right? I'm gonna trust LeBron in that James scenario that that LeBron's gonna step up, right? LeBron's on the floor in a helper role, which is where he was used uh-huh. in the playoffs, where he is. One of the smartest, one of the smartest player on the planet. Yeah, and then I, and then the fifth spot is a lot more, uh, a lot more interesting. Like, do you go Gabe? That that's honestly where my brain kind of turns to. Is it? Do you, I don't trust Torian. Austin's okay. been really bad defensively. Well, like if it, if this is last year, I'd probably say Austin at least for his like off ball chasing ability. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We're already big enough. I'm not doing like hey, Christian Ruby Wood or Christian Wood exactly. I'm not doing you're that. A, you're 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 a massive team already with Cam, Vando, LeBron, AD. Andy. I mean, I guess you could just throw. I mean, you're not if you're worried about a game. guard attacking. Yeah, then you can't really do that, but. I'm probably just going Gabe, and I say you just switch one through three. Yeah, switch That's one through the way three. Help off of a non-shooter to funnel stuff to the rim, and uh, you leave those non-shooters open, and you just get yeah. a late contest. That's that's potentially a really good defensive group, by the way. In a playoff setting, that 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 lineup would eat defensively. That could be, Again, that like can Cam play. Reddish be a consistent three point threat, or Vando be a consistent catch and shoot? Right, threat. and that's why we had to put in the qualifier. It's only one defensive possessions, and you're not worried about offense at all. Right. Um, all right. Let's see here. We've got Cuddy said the five out offense is not working. For AD, Hams needs to let AD play in the post and pick a role with D'Lo and Braun. AD is good, but we need the brow, bring back the brow AD for Depoy. Hmm. So the the five-out offense, what I'm seeing a lot of is AD getting doubled when he is in the post. I don't know that going away from the five-out necessarily prevents that double, but we're also seeing when AD kicks out off of that double, those passes are getting stolen or they're becoming turnovers pretty frequently. So there's some concerns there, but I don't know that the five out is necessarily to blame for AD not being in the post because he stand, can still cut into the post out of a five out offense. I, yeah. I also think that part of the five out that we're seeing is a lot of stagnation from uh, the guys who are not directly involved sure. in the ball action. A lot of the other guys are just kind of standing on the perimeter, just watching things develop, and that's creating issues specifically for Anthony Davis. So in terms of 
post-up stuff. I'm just I'm kind of break this down piece by piece here. And if, by the way, this is for future reference, so I don't uh, like want to make it seem like I'm like doing something else for the viewer. If I am like looking to the left, I'm like probably looking up stats or something, which is what I'm looking at right now. So in terms of uh, possessions per game for post-up stuff, the Lakers rank 12th in the NBA in terms of post-up possessions per game. In terms of points per possession, the Lakers rank 5th. So they are a really, really efficient post-offense. So they do go mm-hmm. into to it, right? Um, their ball screen attack really, really struggled at the start of the year. But I'd say off the top of my head, Clippers game on, if I recall correctly, maybe a game or two after that might be a better uh, better example. But basically, no, Miami game on. Miami game on. The ball screen attack has been a lot better. And the Lakers are starting to creep back up the leaderboards in terms of where they rank in terms of points per possession and stuff like that in those categories. Their ISO attack has been awesome, large in part to LeBron being great, AD uh, having okay moments in that in those departments. I think the reason why the five-out offense is kind of getting a, a bunch of criticism, one, because the Lakers aren't attacking their own offensive boards, which is yeah. like kind of by default when you like you know dive into this five-out that, philosophy, right? That's a decision they're making, too, that's because they were struggled in transition the point I was going to make like this okay. team is buying into being a really, really good transition offense, which they are and a really, really good transition defense where they are, which they are. Yeah. And the third reason why I think they went to the five out offense was to try to better load manage in game Braun and AD by letting Austin and Delo get a lot more on ball reps, which is what we heard the entire summer yep. was, Hey, Austin's going to get more reps. D'Lo's, oh, we didn't hear, really hear about D'Lo, but Austin's going to get more reps, or like the guards in general are going to get more reps. And the guards just hadn't really played well. D'Lo had, D'Lo would just still have a game or two we didn't play well, but D'Lo's been really, really, really good. And that's why the ball screen attack with D'Lo this season has been awesome all year. Bronze ball screen attack has actually been pretty, pretty good all year as well. It's just he's turning over the ball just a little too much. And that's kind of like, you no. Know, bringing down the ball screen offense but they're like i said they're they're turning it around i'm not really worried about the offense personally i think mm-hmm. some of the off ball stagnation which we'll get to in two super chats from now are but i i'm i'm fine with where this lakers offense is i think they're making positive progress uh upwards i, I think there's there's improvements that we need to see and maybe those will come and again a lot of those have to do with some of the stagnation and things like that. But I think the offense has looked clunky at times, and so people automatically jump to, well, it must be the five-out offense, when I don't know that that's necessarily the the cause of, of all of this. But but let's and give it a few more games and see kind of how things look. Last thing. In the last five yeah. games, the Lakers rank 11th in offensive rating, 117.1, which is well, really good. Because they have that – they shot – they set a franchise record on threes or tied it anyway sure. against Memphis. That's in the mix that will but, certainly like skew goes- the numbers. But you, but still, you're right. It, some of it, especially some of the early offensive problems, were just the shots were not falling. <laughs> just, the, yeah. just missing shots, which you know is the ultimate goal of offense. Yeah. Hashtag analysis. Put the like orange the, thing in the put the other... ball in the basket. <laughs> yeah. Good offense. Uh, super dope hip hop for what it's worth 23 24. LeBron 8.5 defensive rebounds per 36, his best ever by one. 
against. Yes. That could be 13 defense rebounds per 36 if he was better boxing out, but I, I, I digress. Right. I mean, and look, it's not just LeBron. There's a bunch of guys that have blown box outs. A bunch of guys that, that have, have done that. Especially, Sean, it drives me crazy, the box outs from the perimeter. You get a wing, comes flying in, and the problem yeah. is those wings, when they're, you've got a, even if it's a big, it's AD, if they're standing stationary and jumping straight up, a guy with a running start that comes flying in and jumps at the ball can often get up a lot higher and, and, and get that ball away from even Anthony Davis, who's probably your best shot, right? Anthony Davis going for a rebound is probably your best chance. Christian Wood right there as well. So if you've got a lot of guys on the perimeter that aren't boxing out, that aren't at least stopping guys from coming flying in like that, you're going to give up a lot of offensive boards, and that's exactly what the Lakers have done. There's also a problem in the secondary where the long bounce that the guards, the wings need to get to, they're getting beaten to those as well. Uh, and that's been a problem for years now, actually, that we've seen. So a lot to clean up there on the glass. Yeah. Raloff said, for the last few years, we've asked aid for AD post-ups. His passing out of doubles may explain why we didn't see it more. Go back to a Braun-led offense. I don't think it's necessarily been an AD-led offense either. Yeah. So, I don't think it can be a, an AD-led offense with when the way that we've seen AD utilized or not utilized, I should say. Yeah, and I, just, I also don't think AD shot the ball well enough for this to be an AD-led offense. Yeah, yes, agreed. That mid-range, he hit a couple at the end. But you know what, Sean, is funny is I, I've, I, had, I mentioned the mid-range shot, and I, I said that Anthony Davis mid-range jumpers at this point so far this season have basically been turnovers because he shot horribly. Yeah, it's um, like 16% last time I checked. It might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what it was. I think maybe that's gone up a little bit. Let me see if I can if I can pull that number. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's gone down. He's at 13% now, and I'm rounding up to get there. I'm, I'm talking about jumpers. No, I'm talking well, I'm talking about on 16 feet and out between 16 feet and the three-point line. He's at 13. He's at 33% 10 to 16 feet. Um, but people will say, well, he hasn't had the mid-range jumper in years. That's not necessarily That's not true. true. That's not last true. year I mean, he had it, especially in the we, playoffs. Yeah, we remember some of his missed shots there, but 10 to 16 feet. He shot 44% last season. Uh, two seasons ago, he was 41%. And by the way, on a mid-range jumper, above 40% is really good. Pretty pretty good, right? Um, yes, you'd love to see him shoot you know, 48% or something on those, but he, that's probably not that realistic for him. So he's um, he's had at least had that be a weapon. Not to say he's automatic from there. He's not Rip Hamilton or something like that, but he's had that mid-range shot as a weapon, as a tool in his toolbox, an arrow in his quiver, whatever you want to call it. This season, though, it just hasn't been there. Again, 33% on from 10 to 16 feet, 13% on 16 feet all the way out to the three-point line. And then at the rim, he's shooting 71%. Right? So he still finished. He's shooting 51% from the field. And that looks pretty good. But that mid-range shot has simply not, not been there for him. And it's something that I hope with time comes back around because even if he's not going to take that many of them, he does need that to at least be respectable so that guys have to defend him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, this is huh. So for some reason, the synergy day is a little bit different. But yeah, I'm seeing on NBA.com. Uh huh. She yeah, fourteen point eight percent of mid range jumpers. Eesh. That's nasty. Yeah, uh, bronze at thirty seven percent of mid range. Delo's at 44%. Delo, uh, this isn't related, but Delo, like the one thing I need to see from Delo is to pull up three to really, really get back. But Delo's been cooking. Yeah. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. That's he has been. All right. Serge said LeBron Caruso. Oh, he asked it twice. LeBron Caruso, Vando, Cam, and AD combo would be what Golden State called the death lineup in terms of defense. Is it too much to dream? So this is basically the the lineup that that we were just talking about only Alex Caruso is on the team and he gets added to it in place of Gabe Vincent. So in this timeline, the Lakers have traded Gabe Vincent for Alex Caruso. We were already excited about the Lakers needing one stop and putting that lineup out there with Gabe Vincent. Imagine if they pull off a Caruso trade. If the Bulls who unfortunately won earlier this evening, can't believe If the that Bulls happened. lose and around the trade deadline, or maybe a little bit before, they decide, okay, we're going to part with Alex Caruso, and the Lakers could somehow get him. My God, if you need a stop, and you're putting Caruso, Cam, Vando, LeBron, AD on the floor, whew, that could be absolutely insane. Yeah, good luck scoring on that. Yeah. Wow. Get it done. Get it done. Get it done, Rob. Johnny, we'll finish things off with this. So the only guys I don't want to see traded, Braun, D'Lo, Rui, Vando. That's it. Everybody else gone. Also, the Lakers should keep their eyes on Tatum, SGA, and Ant-Man. I can see them wanting out sooner rather than later. I mean, every team in the league should keep their eyes on those guys at all times. Why would those particular guys want out, though? Like all three of those guys are like loving where they're at. I mean, if anything, you should just wait for Tatum to be a free agent. That's more likely. 
I mean, they're just they're they're all re- they're really good players. They're some of the better young stars sure, in the sure. NBA, and so of course everybody's going to be interested in them. But okay, like obviously SGA is out of the picture here. But let's say Tatum or Anthony Edwards somehow came on the trade market. Sam Presti is calling up, and he's offering all of the whole treasure trove of picks that he's got. Right, he's offering them all, isn't he? he maybe not, maybe I'm going a little bit overboard there, no, but he like has to. Yeah, or right. I'm firing Sam Presti. Like, what do we get all these draft picks for? We're not going to just empty the tank on yeah. one of these superstars. That, that's just it. And look, hey, it, uh, here's what's going to need to happen for the Lakers to get another like star. Star. They need. They need somebody to really want to come to LA, and they need somebody to be in the final year of their contract. That's what. That's yeah. what they need. And for that player to make it known that hey. Other teams, you can trade for me, but I'm going to leave in free agency if you do, because I really want to be a Laker. And that's essentially what you need to ha- need to have happen. And I don't know that we're going to see that happen. I think there's there's other guys they could get, but in terms of like the top top tier star type guys, to get one of those and not get outbid, given the assets the Lakers have right now, you probably need that guy to have some measure of influence on his destination. That's why I talked about earlier today, Zach Levine having the Lakers on his list of desired teams reportedly or having the 76ers or the heat, it doesn't matter all that much because he's got four years under contract. So if the New York Knicks want Zach Levine and Zach Levine says, well, you're not on my list. He's got four years under contract. He can't threaten to leave in free agency the next summer. Right. Kind of what we saw play out with Dame. And Mitchell. And yeah. So that's what you need. If you're the Lakers, you need somebody who wants to come to LA and LA's on a short list and that player has the ability to influence their landing spot. Because otherwise, any of these guys of this caliber come available, I think the Lakers are going to get outbid by some of these teams that are just absolutely hoarding draft capital or have more interesting young talent. Yeah. Oklahoma City. Yeah. Maybe maybe I said they should fire Sam Presti. It's a bit harsh, but like... You get my point. If yeah. Jason Tatum is on the block, you don't give up all a hundred first round picks to go make sure you get Jason Tatum. Yeah. Not practice. Then, then what are you doing? What are you doing stockpiling all those picks? Right? Yeah. Like what, what are you doing it for? Yeah. Makes no sense. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for today's show, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, make sure you check out the YouTube membership program. And, of course, subscribe right here to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Podcast listeners, give us that five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. We've got Lakers Rockets coming up tonight. Come join us over on Playback. Hang out with us during the game. We'll be there. Game starts at 6.30 Pacific time. So come join us on Playback. Hang out with us. And uh, we'll have a good time. We'll watch Lakers, Rockets, and hopefully the Lakers show up and get the win, unlike the last time they played Houston. Thank you, everybody. Sean, this is a blast. Thanks for for joining me here. Always fun. We have a, we have our own separate shows now. So when we get to do these in between shows and and hang out again, this is always this is always fun. Yeah, I, I see too many comments saying uh, we don't do enough podcasts together anymore. So when all, whenever we get the opportunity to, always have to. That's right. That's right. All right, everybody. Till next time, stay safe and see ya. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. 
but you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.